Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners. New full-length episodes released every Thursday, but here's a quick caffeine cast. Hi, I'm Frank Flegg, founder of Ethical Property Partners. What you're about to hear is actually audio from one of my YouTube videos, as well as the weekly deep dive podcast that's released every Thursday and the quick caffeine cast in between. There's also loads of content over on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed to our channel, but you want to see even more tips and advice for your sophisticated property investing, just search YouTube for Ethical Property Partners. See you over there. I've been training a group of new franchisees this week. And each day that we've been going through their intensive training, we've been helping them to do marketing for new opportunities. And then we have been helping them to make live calls to those potential clients and coaching them on what they're saying and how they're doing it and how to use personality profiling, how to stick to the script, how to elicit the information they need to work out the best solution. And one of the guys asked a question, And it's a brilliant question. In this episode, I'm gonna share that question with you, but more importantly, share my answer with you, because I think this is what most people struggle with when investing in property. Very few people go to an office and have a boss that holds them accountable to buying themselves a portfolio in property. That job doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. And so most of us have to motivate ourselves to sit down and take the necessary actions, build ourselves a property portfolio. So we have to hold ourselves to account. We have to be our own boss. Maybe we go to an office, some of the EPP partners go to their own offices and hold themselves to account. They rent an office, they have a PA, but it's still them. They are still their own boss. And this is a challenge for us, I think. And it's a challenge for a lot of our partners. It's a challenge for a lot of people in the sophisticated property investing network because we are used to being given instructions. We're used to being given structure. We're used to be given a timetable. If you think about it, from very young, our parents tell us that we get up, we eat our breakfast, we get changed, we brush our teeth we go to school. Then when we get to school, we do maths nine till 10. We do English 10 till 10.30. We have a break. Then we do PE. Then we have lunch. Then we have geography. Then we have a break. Then we have history. And then we go home home from school on the school bus. And then we do our homework. And then we're allowed to relax. And then we have dinner. And then we get changed into our pajamas. Everything about growing up is instilling in us that people tell us what to do. And the problem is that then when we sit down with our own business, no one's telling us what to do. I'm a big fan of Freakonomics. It's a podcast, if you wanna check it out. They've got some great episodes. And one of their episodes that I've listened to recently is about working from home. Some people are far more effective working from home, far more productive and other people are far less productive. And that's because some people have developed that self-control, that self-discipline, that self-motivation, and others haven't. Others have to go somewhere and have someone look over them in order to achieve that. They say that the TV, bed, and fridge are the biggest challenges to working from home. And I think that's very true. In fact, early on, I had a rule. We had a completely work at home team. Our whole team was geographically spread 
in 2009. In 2009, so depths of the credit crunch, we had a team of 26 staff, if you like, some of whom were full-time, some of whom were part-time, but none of them came to the office. We actually won Business of the Year, Action Coach Business of the Year in 2010, based on our 2009 results. 26 people all working from home. Some of them were amazing, and others only lasted a few months, and then we had to replace them. The reason some of them were good at working from home is because they develop those skills. And we realized that actually, in order to employ successfully, we needed to employ people who'd already proven themselves as being able to cope with that level of freedom. I remember one particular woman that I mentored on a one-to-one -one basis, she couldn't stop her friend from coming round and having coffee. And so we would have a call like half eight to, to nine every morning, and then I'd touch base with her at 12, and I'd say, how'd you get on? And she said, well, my friend popped around at 10, and she's only just left. So her friend was around for like an hour and a half. Now her friend didn't have her own business. Her friend was a stay-at-home mum whose husband went and earned all the, the bread for the family and so she was a lady of leisure. Whereas my colleague, whom I was mentoring, didn't have that luxury. She wanted to build her own business but was getting sucked into her friend's um, comfortable lifestyle and wasn't able to say no to her friend. Some people can't leave the dishwasher unstacked. They have to stack the dishwasher before they sit down and start making calls or they have to put the laundry on or they have to mow the lawn or wash the car or whatever it is. There's always something to do at home, but if you leave the house and get to the office, you're not thinking about doing the dishwasher, or if you are thinking about it, you don't stop work, drive home and go stack the dishwasher. You crack on with the most important thing for you right then, which is your work. But people don't do that when they're working from home. So back to this brand new franchisee that I was training this week. He pointed out to us, rightly so, that every morning between 10 and 10.30, we do marketing. He said, I've noticed, Frank, that every morning at 10 a.m., you get us doing marketing. Now, we start our days early. We start at eight when we're on intensive training, so we have a little break about 9.45, 9.40, and then we sit down at 10 a.m., and we do marketing. We're checking all of their adverts, we're checking all of their funnels, we're checking all of their marketing activity and what leads have come in from them. And you might think, oh, that's systemized. Yeah, you need to be systemized when you're doing the number of transactions and you're making the kind of profits that we want our partners to receive. And then he said, between 10, 30 and 11, you're making us do calls. We're phoning all of those prospects, so we're making all of these outbound calls to people that have expressed an interest in our services. And I said, yeah. He said, why? Why do you do marketing for the first half an hour and then sales for the second half an hour of that 10 till 11 slot every morning? And the answer, and you might want to ask yourself this, the answer is because we're building habits. And so what we say to our new partners is, go away and keep that habit. And in fact, we write them a default diary together. We write them a default diary that says, based on your lifestyle, and it may not be between 10 and 11, that's an arbitrary number, it doesn't matter, but at a certain time every day, you wanna be doing your marketing. If you drop your, I drop my boys off at school at 9 a.m., I'm back at my desk by 9.30. So between 7.30 and 9.30, I'm looking after my boys. They're getting them ready for school, having breakfast with them, jumping in the car, going to school, driving back to the office, and then I'm ready. I'm at my desk ready to work at 9.30. So I need to plan my default diary between 9.30 and when I leave home to go pick them up at about three, 
2.50, 3pm to go pick them up. And then I'm with my boys in the evening. So I've got that window between 9.30 and 3pm, roughly speaking, where I'm doing all my most important tasks, all my work tasks. And I want to plan in on a Monday, when am I doing my marketing? When am I going to be doing my sales? When am I going to be doing my team, my leadership? When am I going to be doing my strategy? Where am I going to do my reactive tasks? So responding to emails, responding to phone messages, etc. What you shouldn't do is wake up in the morning and go, ah, oh, what do I feel like doing today? Or what urgent stuff has cropped up? You should be working proactively. You should be spending time on each area of your business at regular intervals through the week. Now on a Tuesday, I have the boys again, so I have a similar default diary. But on a Wednesday, my ex-wife picks them up and looks after the boys. So now of an evening on a Tuesday, I can work longer. I don't have to stop at three, I can work till half five or six. So I might put some other work in during that time. And then on a Thursday, I don't drop them off at school. So my working day might start at eight rather than 9.30. Thursday evening, Friday, etc you need to work out what works for you. It might work perfectly for you to go to the gym between 10 and 11. Doesn't matter if it's in the middle of a day. If that means your gym's empty, if that means you can drive to your gym and it's really easy, brilliant if that's more efficient for you. If you then get home at 12 and you're ready to take on the world and get all your work done, then brilliant. There are no rules around this. But what you need to do, in my opinion, is create that structure. A good friend of mine, Rob Moore from Progressive Property, he talks about the testing and measuring he's done in order to get to his perfect daily routine. He's not a night owl, he goes to bed quite early. In fact, he said just this week, he doesn't do parties. He said, he said I upset someone recently because they invited me to a party. I was like, no, I don't want to come. I don't do parties. And I respect the guy for knowing precisely what works for him and what doesn't work. I don't know whether that's entirely true, but he does work better, as he says, by going to bed early and getting up early. So his working day is probably a lot earlier than mine. I actually quite enjoy going to bed quite late, but I love having a lion. And so you need to work your default diary for what works for you. And this is what I said to the, the guys, the new recruits, the new partners today and, and, and this week. I said, this default diary, it can start as early as you want. I had one partner that used to get up at 4 a.m. I'm not sure it, it served him, but he thought it served him. And so I said, great, run with it. Others won't start their working day till 10 a.m. There's no right or wrong. Having that default diary of when you will ideally do certain activities is so valuable. Now, the reason I say ideally is because if you've got a funeral next Tuesday, you're not gonna be making sales calls at 11.30 when you're sat in the, in the chapel of rest. And so that default diary will get moved around. If you don't do your sales calls there, maybe you do them another time. If you have a day of strategy, maybe you go to a mastermind. I was down in London this week for my mastermind down at um, St Pancras station there. Whole day of strategy. I didn't do my usual admin. I didn't do my usual critique of my marketing. I didn't have as many meetings with my team. I did actually have meetings on the way there and meetings on the way back on Zoom, but I didn't have as many team meetings as I usually would have on a Monday. All of those things have to fit into the rest of the week. So I'll take some strategy out of other places because I've done a lot of strategy on Monday and put those bits that I've missed. So overall, my week is still balanced. The work that needs to get done still gets done. Brian Tracy, the author of Eat That Frog, brilliant guy, really, really understands time efficiency. He says, well, he said he's passed away now, I believe. He says that the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that unsuccessful people do what they feel like doing. They get up and do what they feel like doing. Successful people do what needs to be done and 
if you just consider that for a moment. Do what needs to be done rather than what you feel like doing. And people make the mistake of thinking, oh, but it's easier to do what I feel like doing. It's easier to get up and just see what, how the mood takes me. It's not easier. It's not less painful. It's more painful. It's more painful in the long term. So what people mistakenly believe is that that's the easy route, but it's not. It's easy in the moment, but harder in the long term. It's much easier in the long term to be following a plan. And we've talked about planning on the channel before, and I will do again, because it's so critical. If you're following your default diary, and you're following a quarterly plan, and that quarterly plan fits into a 10-year plan, you are on fire. You know where you're going and you're headed in that direction every single day. You might get blown off, you might get sick for a week. I had norovirus two weeks ago, laid me up for three days. I can't remember the last time I didn't work for three days. I was lying on the sofa feeling very sorry for myself. Blokes always get diseases worse, don't they? They're always nearly dead, I was nearly dead. That blew me off track for a whole half a week. I wasn't doing what I planned to do, but that's okay because as soon as I was better, I knew what I had to make up. I knew what I was behind with, and that's the key, guys. The key is knowing your plan and then working that plan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do hit the like button, share it with someone who you think will get value from this episode, and if you subscribe to the channel, that will certainly help us to grow our, our reach. Until next time, happy investing. That was audio taken from our YouTube channel. For more sophisticated property investing tactics, just search YouTube for Ethical Property Partners and listen out for our full-length podcast, released every Thursday.